0: I was going to
1: end up doing a video podcast at some point, but I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. It's always good, especially on like uh, YouTube. YouTube podcasts are kind of like the new yeah. thing where you can get a lot of views from. Yeah. I'm going to, I think, I guess evolve into it. Yeah. I
0: don't know. I got like this sign made. Yeah, I saw that. It's cool. Uh, my neighbor has a big CNC machine, uh-huh. which is sweet. Like, yeah. do you know how those work? It's like a laser, right? It's water. Oh, Okay. So he cuts that out with water. So huh. like we make the design just on a computer. Yeah. And then, um, we like put the font in whatever. Yeah. And then he puts the big metal slab uh-huh. on the table uh-huh. and it just, just fucking it just cuts through it. Yeah. It just has like a, a really super high pressured stream yeah. that goes around and cuts it out. And even like the little guy up there with like the flag, yeah. Uh, it, get. yeah, it gets super precise. Jeez. I'm like, that's sweet. And it's like sharp too, huh? It's not too bad. Yeah. So then, yeah. And then you take a grinder okay. and you just grind down the edges oh, and, yeah. and make it,
1: make it like, make a it what it is. Look,
0: yeah. All right. So, so okay. you said you, you got married two years ago.
1: Yes. How's that? It's been crazy. Actually, it was funny. Cause so I remember the first year after we got married, my wife was like, you know kind of talking about our last marriage or you know our our previous year of marriage and she's like it really wasn't that bad like usually you know you say the first year is always the worst or whatever but um in my head I had like I was picturing what we were like the our first year was when we were dating before we got married so I was, like, thinking of that for some reason because that part of our relationship was horrible. There was, like, a lot of fights, like... During the dating? Yeah, yes. during the dating part. And for some reason, I mixed the two together. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it wasn't... It was okay. <laughs> like how did, how did you make it to the marriage part if the dating was so rocky? I don't know. Honestly, like, I feel like we had a lot of... We had a lot of work that we... Wanted to do together, like internally, like our personal lives and stuff. But then I realized, like, we we weren't fighting like with each other. We were fighting our own little battles, and we she just happened to be in my way, type of you know thing. So luckily, we saw that pretty quickly, and we're like, "Yo, this isn't this isn't shouldn't be happening this way." Like, I realized, like, I have issues here and there, so I'm gonna try, you know, try to figure and deal with those. While you know ha- having this relationship, and there's times where we had to like, you know separate for a while or take a day, yeah, you know to to I think cool down every couple. Has to <laughs> yeah, do that. yeah, so it was it was our first year was amazing of of marriage. second second year, it's actually kind of challenging. I feel like maybe every year has its own thing. Do you guys have kids? Yeah, so she has uh, three from a previous marriage. How old are they? Um, so she has two older boys, which is fourteen and eleven, from her first marriage, and then a little girl that's six from her second marriage. Okay. And then we have together we have a seven seven month old wow. little girl. Congratulations! Yeah, so four four I have four no big idea. ones. Yeah. I have no idea. You were yeah. father of four. I know it's crazy. I literally went from zero to. Three, you know, right away. Yeah, and then four within a. How's it changed your life? Ooh. Your perspective. My perspective. I'm I'm a father of
0: one. Okay, I have an 18 month old. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just curious because I I can only speak from my personal experience of yeah. like. I've, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Like, yeah. it's so crazy how this one little tiny person changes my entire outlook <laughs> yeah. on, like, the
1: world. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering what what yeah. that is for you. Well, I, I definitely feel like there's a different dynamic, too, from, like, especially just being a father. When you have your own child and, like, you know, your life changes completely and you don't realize, like, how you lived your life before that. Yeah. But then also, on the other end, uh, being a stepfather, especially to two different... Um, dads. Yeah. So um, I think for the first, when we started dating, it was okay. Like there was no issue, especially with the the dads or anything like that. Or even with the kids, it was more of like, I just get to be, you know, kind of the cool uncle to these kids. But then when we got married, I almost like shifted my attitude for some odd reason to this, like, I need to be the disciplined dad. And that went really bad for me Mm -hmm. because I just got this. I, I didn't know how to talk to them besides disciplining them. Like I, I was always wanting to make sure that they were cleaning their rooms, that everything was put away and, you know, they got their homework done. Like it was just those conversations rather than like, yo, what's up? Yeah. You know, so it, it's almost like you have like an interview process for a job and like, you're <laughs> like, oh
0: yeah, I'm going to d- kill it. You, yeah. know? Like, <laughs> you walk in the first day and you're like, okay, let's get to work. Yeah. And-. I get that. Yeah. Like it's it, based on how you're saying it. It's just like it, you walk in and now things because you're actually in that role mm-hmm. as a stepfather yeah. rather than like your mom's
1: boyfriend yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's just the guy that comes around every so often or whatever. Yeah.
0: Is it, it has it been hard to connect with them then? Just so on a personal so level? the
1: boys, we connected super easy and well. I think just because they they kind of figured that part out already. Like, yeah. oh, he's a stepdad. I have my own dad. That's still cool. We can still love him and my dad. So I think that dynamic was really chill. Um, so right away, especially because they're like involved in sports and, you know, I love, I love that part of it. So I was able to connect with them pretty quickly. Yeah. The uh, six-year-old was a little bit harder. Um, she doesn't see her dad much. So we have her a lot more often uh, during the month. And so as she was growing, I don't think she understood like the whole dynamic of like, oh, there's a new person in my life and I have to try to you know figure out when I get to see my dad. So it was like this battle I felt like for her and especially we had this conversation too. She's like, she told me one of these days, I think it was like literally four months ago that she we had this conversation. Uh, She was having a hard day and and we were kind of talking and she's like, I don't know how to be your step daughter. I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to be a stepdad sometimes, you know? So it was like a really genuine conversation because it was, it made me realize like this, you know, five, six year old kid, I think in my head should understand it. Because I'm an adult and I understand it. Right. But I realized like, oh, she, yeah, she doesn't understand how to deal with this situation because she loves her dad, but she doesn't see him very much. She sees me more. And then that that, that, that dynamic of like, I don't know how to love my dad and Adam, you know, because like she feels like I can't give out so much love because she doesn't understand yeah. like how much love she can actually give. So it was like, it was crazy to, to kind of overcome that, that situation because I was, I got a lot more angry with her than I did with the boys just because of that, like stress that we were both dealing with. Um, but it's gotten a lot better. Uh, I think it, you know, it comes and goes and in, in the flows of, of life. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I
0: remember hearing this thing when I had my daughter, um, somebody said, Hey, listen, children are just really big narcissists. <laughs> yeah, And so it's, it, it In all the different types of ways, because anything that goes on, even if it's not to do with them, they think it's about them. Yes. So any argument, any loving interaction, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know when they grow out of that or when they realize that it's not all about them all the time. Yeah. But I imagine it's a gradual process. Oh, for sure. And so I can only imagine that six year old girl is just like thinking like, Oh my gosh, my parents, maybe they got divorced because of me or, or, or whatever. Or, you know, maybe Adam's mad at me because of me Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. And I don't know. I don't know. Like, I I just think about that all the time of like, of like how it is because my daughter will not eat Mm -hmm. right now. Like Mm -hmm. she just like refuses to eat. And so I just get so frustrated, but I'm like, I can't like, I can't take that out on yeah. She's just being a, a toddler. Yeah. Like that's all it is. Yeah. It's just a toddler. She just <laughs> wants to play. Yeah. And so, you know, you try to figure out some other way, but that kind of frames my thinking a lot. And I was just talking to my wife the other day cause she was getting really frustrated mm-hmm. and I'm just like, this is like part of the growing process I know. of yeah. being a person because like we went, like I got married at thirty, what? I can't remember how old I was. I'm thirty six now, but yeah, you know, I got married at like thirty four. Okay, and I'm like, I spent thirty four years without kids, without a wife. Yeah, and I never had that experience of, of growing in those ways, mm-hmm. and this is much different than I ever would have anticipated. Absolutely. Same. And so it's really
1: cool that you're going through. Yeah it's, it's a complete, it's kind of like me. So I think right after my mission, I got married for six months, divorced. So then like 13 years spanned of me basically being single, you know, I had dated a few girls here and there, Yeah. but it was a 13, 14 year span of like me being single and like almost coming to the point, cause I'm 37 now, I almost came to the point of like, I'm just going to be the cool uncle and I'm not going to get married. Like I even told myself at 38, if I don't have any sort of relationship going on or like anything close to that, I'm just going to adopt a kid and we're just going to live our lives. So in my head, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to be single, live yeah. my life. It will be cool. Then I met my wife and then completely obviously changed my whole perspective on, on what I wanted to do. But then yeah, bringing bonus kids into that, that, mix it was like yeah like it's still to this day I don't know how to manage them (laughs) and I don't think it's like a matter of like managing them or like you know trying to I guess put them or um how do you say it like teach them what you think should be right it's almost just like let them live Their lives kind of you know shift where they it needs to be shifted, but like let them just live because I I feel like maybe when I grew up I was kind of more of a like in a household where everything was more structured from my dad and so I kind of was putting that onto them and it was stressing me out and I didn't realize that and it was making me pissed off and all these things I'm like I can't do that to these kids especially to myself so I was like I got to just kind of let them live the way they want to, even if it annoys the hell out of me, yeah. I just got to like, okay, cool. Like I'll, you know, I'll discipline where I need to, but other than that, I'm just going to let them do their thing. I think it's a really hard boundary between
0: like doing what your parents did that you identified as good yeah, and like mirroring that, yeah, but not going too far in the other direction to mm-hmm. say this was bad and I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. Because like, I don't know, there's a balance somewhere, Yeah. but it's usually what the individual kid needs yes. more than what you are bringing into it. Yeah. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. So like you can learn from your parents and your home upbringing and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I think it more, more and more, it's just my thoughts. Right. Yeah. I don't know how accurate I am, but like you look at what that kid needs and like for you, yeah. it's like a little less structure. Yeah. Maybe. Oh yeah. You know? And it's like I'm sure that structure is really, really great for other kids. Yeah, you know, who needed more structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but going back, wasn't your dad? He was a mission president, wasn't
1: he? Uh, so he, or he, he, he was a, a He was a bishop for a while when I was growing up. Got into the stake pred- presidency, and then he went on. So when I was on my mission, he yeah. they were on their mission. Oh, uh, that's what that's what. Yeah, and then they've gone. On, two different missions since then or two, two or three, yeah. but then they were also like in the yeah. Mission and presidencies and, and stuff like that. So yeah, they've kind of always been around that, that field. So one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you yeah. is I remember, I don't know how
0: long ago this was. There's was a couple of years anyway, where you got in a pretty bad accident. Oh yeah. You had like a change of Something, Yeah. Go on internal inside of you yeah. and said, you know, this is, this is my perspective on life it, to some degree has changed. Yeah. And I kind of want to, I want to understand where you were before that, yeah. where you were after that and how that's changed you up to this
1: point. Mm. Yeah. Well, so to give some perspective, I was in a motorcycle crash. I think it was two, almost two years ago ish. Um, at that time in my life, I was still dating my, my wife now. Um, but I think I was at a point in my life, actually, I know. I was at a point in my life where I was kind of sick of it. I was sick of what I was doing. I didn't think I was had were, any purpose. Were you acting at the time? I was still acting, yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that's actually what brought up a lot of emotions because acting to me is very therapeutic but it brings up a ton of emotions that you haven't even thought of since whenever like since i was a kid or a teenager there were certain emotions that i just tucked away yeah. didn't even think about again but when acting came and a certain type of emotion that i needed to express in the scene or whatever comes back up and you're like oh man i i tucked that away i need to you know i need to bring that out of the closet and talk about it and right. you know figure it out so i think that's what really kind of brought a lot of these emotions to the surface where I'm like, man, I don't feel like I matter or I have a purpose or, you know, if, if I, if I'm gone tomorrow, nobody's really going to care. And I really like let that dwell inside of me, which was sad at this time because, you know, I had a lot of friends and and family that, you know, absolutely love me, but internally I was just like struggling. I was drowning with my own thoughts and my life. And so, I didn't really care about a lot of things, even though I was wanting to do a lot of things. Um, But when I got in that accident, it was crazy experience. It was so random, but uh, I was coming up to a light and it was kind of like a a curved corner into this light and uh, it turned yellow and I was like, I'm kind of in this spot of my, in my motorcycle where I'm like, I can go and take the yellow and pass it, be cool. Or I can hit the brakes and probably, you know, probably stop. So I decided to hit the brakes. My wife, uh, girlfriend, wife was uh, was behind me in her car at the time. And that's the kind of reason why I, I stopped. I'm like, I'll, mm-hmm. just, I'll just hit the brakes. But I hit the brakes and my back wheel locked up. And it just like, you know, you can, I could feel it kind of, come out from under me. So I try to correct it and I overcorrected and just kind of everything flew me off of the bike and and threw me into the intersection. But I don't remember anything um, besides... Did you high sight it? Is that what happened? Yeah, pretty much. Um, All I remember is skidding and over, you know, correcting it and then I don't even remember flying off of it. Yeah. Um, But my wife told me that I flew off, my bike slid, but I rolled a few times right into the intersection. Luckily, there's no cars coming, so I was blessed that 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 didn't happen. Um, but then she got out of the car, uh, and I was on the on the ground convulsing. You know, I was having a seizure, and it was pretty bad. I still had my helmet on, but it was all messed up, and then. So I was convulsing for a while. She, she basically had me in her arms and then I like completely just went limp and I wasn't breathing she was freaking out and everybody was like trying to, you know, figure out how to, how to help me in some way. They called the ambulance and she was like, I need to get his helmet off because he's not breathing because I guess the strap was, you know, cutting off my circulation. And everybody was like, don't do it. Don't, don't take off his helmet. She's like, he needs to breathe, you know? So she rips that off and pulls my helmet off. And I like finally give a big gasp of air. And, uh, but I'm still like not there. Like, I don't remember any of this. The only part that I do remember is I guess like all the, the medical team came, the ambulance, all that stuff, uh, fire trucks. And the guys were trying to put me on to their, like the cart. And so what I remember is crazy. I thought this was a dream, something that I just dreamt randomly. But I remember like laying on my back and there's these like black figures that were hovering over me. There's like 10 of them and you couldn't see them. They're almost like silhouetted, but it it felt like they were going to take me. And, um, like take me to wherever, like where I obviously didn't want to go. And so I didn't want to go. And so I was screaming, like just full out, like yelling, like, don't take me. I'm not ready. And it was just like this raw, like, you know, I could feel them like grabbing me and like holding me down. And I was just throwing them. And so I told my wife this, like, you know, a couple of days later or whatever. But she's like, it's funny that you say that because literally the guys that put you on this, on the stretcher there, there was a few of them at first, but you literally threw them back like five feet. And then 10 of these guys needed to hold you down like full, big, like burly guys had to hold me down. I was still throwing out, throwing them off and screaming. I'm not ready. You know, it can't take me. And she like, told me the story. and She's like, I have no clue what was going on. Like, even some of the guys were like, is this guy on drugs? <laughs> you know, it was like this whole big thing that was going on with me and I didn't realize what was going on. And finally they had to like, you know, shoot me with something, shoot me with something to like knock me out, to put me in the ambulance and to the hospital. And finally I come to like maybe an hour or so later. Um, that's when I realized I'm in the hospital and, you yeah. know, yeah crap went down so it was a it was an interesting experience just that you know physically but i think spiritually um Did, were you were you harmed before we get to the spiritual part were you harmed
0: like um significantly physically or uh physically
1: it? yeah pretty bad i mean my bike was decent i got a few scratches but i let's Do you see. have see lasting injuries now no luckily okay. i mean i feel like my speech got a little bit slower, like in some sense where I have to kind of think a little bit more in, in what I'm, and t- what I'm saying. But, um, I know I got, so I had a seizure, I had a concussion. Um, I had a lower lumbar fracture and then I bruised my lung. So there's like, you know, and then of course road rash. Um, yeah. Which on the, is not fun. Yeah. Not fun at all. And I like messed up. I thought I had broken, like in between my fingers. Cause I could not like even like squeeze my hand. There's like scars here, here and a couple of places here. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. Like I walked out of the hospital that night. Um, So it wasn't significantly like I was messed yeah. up for a while, but oh, that's great. Yeah. It was, it was I definitely a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was, it was intense. Like the, the whole experience, just that, you know, cause I I had a previous experience too with longboarding that I crashed, you know, I, I should have died. And you know, this type of crash too, I could have died. You know, it was like this wondering why, you know, to myself, like, why, why didn't I move on? Why didn't I pass on? Like what was the reason for me to stay here? Yeah. So I gave that question to myself, you know, and, and really thought about it and, and, uh, you know the thoughts came to me about this whole experience of these you know dark figures that i saw it was more of this like i i realized i wanted to stay um because one of you know i don't want to it was almost more for other people, not, not necessarily for me at the, at the moment. Cause I didn't really like realize like what was going on, but I realized like there was more to live for because of other people, you know, I didn't want to hurt other people by being gone. Um, but then at that time, when I realized those dark figures were wanting to take me in some sense, I didn't wanna go because I, I wanted to live. I wanted to do the things that I really wanted to, to do and pursue. And so it like gave me a, an interesting perspective on life after that, where I was like, you know, there's something, I'm supposed to be here for something big rather than just like living a mediocre life. And which is, which is fine to live that type of life, but I feel like there's something completely more that I'm supposed to not only help myself with, but help others with. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure that out, but I feel like it's more in the acting realm. That <clears throat> not not that I want to go to Hollywood and get famous and all that stuff, but I want to go to Hollywood and get famous because I want to have that influence to help people. Um, to really show people that you know they can go after their dreams, no matter age, race, color, whatever. It's realizing that we all have a purpose in life as long as we like target. You know that pretty much saying that in our mindset, like I have a purpose. There's something yeah. here for me. So it was it was cool to really switch that mindset from from that crash to like not wanting to be here to being here for you know for other people. That is cool. Yeah.
0: That is very cool. And it's interesting that you say that because I don't think it is okay to live a mediocre life. We're not all going to be rich. We're not all going to be famous. We're not all going to do the same things in in being what the world says is like good. Yeah. You know, but I do believe that we all can reach for our potential Mm -hmm. in our own individual ways. Yeah. And I think that very much going along with what you're saying includes our impact on those around us. Yeah. So I don't know. Have you seen that? Uh, I just thought of this when you were talking um, about that in particular, uh, painkiller. Have you seen that documentary? Uh-uh. It's like a dramatization yeah. of a documentary it's okay. about Oxycontin. Okay. And um, the Sackler family and how they like developed this drug that over the course of like, what was it? 1999 mm-hmm. to like, it was, like, over the course of, like, 10 years or yeah, something like that. They okay. killed, like, 600,000 oh, people dang. or something like that. Yeah. And in this show, it shows, depicts one guy who ended up getting injured at work. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave him this painkiller to help manage his pain. He ended up getting addicted to it mm-hmm. by the end of the show. Not just spoil it or anything yeah. but he died yeah based on an overdose and it was just a very heartbreaking type of scenario yeah. where you're like i can see how this would affect somebody so much yep. and it they're drawing attention to the facts that this was a bad thing and it should should have never happened yep. but it did happen mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of like a, a warning right um but I think about that, and even, like, that guy in his life, in this fake, you know, scenario Yeah. that depicts what real scenarios were like, I'm like, that guy was just, like, a mechanic at a shop, mm-hmm. had a stepson and a daughter and a, you know, a wife, and, and he died and it affected all of them. Yeah. Very... Very, very badly, and I'm like the ripple effects. Yeah. The ripple effects are so big. Oh yeah. Yeah. So how what message would you want to give to people? Say you're you you know your acting career you know skyrockets. Yeah. And you're able to be an example for people in some
1: way and yeah. give them some message. Yeah. What is that message? I, I believe that there's a, a lot of messages that I can give to a lot of people in different parts of my life, um, such as like my love story with my wife, um, like me and her want to write our love story because it's very unique, not, not just our love story, but how our my daughter now kind of came into our lives. Um, just to, to show people that there's a spiritual element that a lot of us are missing in in life that we need to connect to um because in that in that story or that you know influence that i want to give is showing the real raw reason of like why spirituality is so important not only just for your personal life but with those around you because it could affect a lot and if you're not aware of yourself and like your internal dialogue and the things that you want to do you're just going to coast through life and not really experience much. So that's one of the stories I would definitely want to to pursue and talk about a lot more. It's a longer story, but more so, I think, another story is showing um, the younger kids, especially in small towns where like, I grew up, um, not much... For future is shown to us. Besides, like, oh, you got to be a nurse or you got to be a farmer. You know, those two things were the only things that were really like cool or good to be get into. Because like, where did you grow up? So I grew up in a small town called Exeter, California. Okay. Uh, So it's like Fresno, Central California. Got it. Um, Very agriculture based, you know, farming town. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot going on, and you almost like felt like you got stuck there because either people like got married right at high school from their, you know, high school sweetheart or they move away for a little bit to go to college and then come back and kind of, you know, live their lives, which, you know, a lot of my friends still have, and they have an amazing life there. But I feel like for the kids like me, I had a bigger dream and I couldn't find that dream there. And I want, I want to show kids, you know, especially at 16 years old in the high school where they're like almost to that dream, you know, they feel like they can conquer the world right after high school. I want to share to them because I feel like at 16 and there's a specific reason um, and story behind that one where I, sh- I should have taken a scholarship that I had for an art school in New York I had a full ride scholarship that I could have signed up for and got wow. if I would have actually just believed in myself, but I never believed in myself enough because yeah. these small town thoughts of like, oh, I can't make it because there's, you know, New York school, these big, big time people are, well, people are afraid to take risks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause what, what if,
0: yeah. What if, what if? Is the what if yeah.
1: um, what do, what do you call it? Just a spiral. Yeah. You spiral down. Yeah which, which sucks. I mean, like, and, in, in both sides of it, like if you're, you're thinking, what if on that end of like, you know, what would happen if I did this and I failed and this and that, but it's almost like another perspective of like, what if I did do this and things did happen for me and I did amazing and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the, those two sides, I want to showcase, like, yeah, it's okay to have the, the doubts, but I want, want to show the kids that like, yo, even though it took me, you know, 13 20 years since then to get my dreams I still went after it and I still like got there no matter how long it took me as long as like I want to show those kids or show those people in those small towns that they can go after their dreams I don't want people to live like how you said like I don't want people to live a me- mediocre life yeah. because I feel like 80% of us just get stuck into A dead-end job that they have to get into you know quote-unquote because they think that that's what that's best but i feel like if we switch that perspective just one percent of saying like hey you can still go after your dreams yeah you might have to shift some things and and figure out how to do it within the means that you have but i still want you to go after it because that's how you're going to live a great you know amazing life
0: Well, you're in it, man. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're in the middle of it because it reminds me of that thing. There's like a little notion that says, if you're ever debating Mm -hmm. what action to take or what, what decision to make at any juncture, just think what story do I want to tell? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, do I want to tell the story of staying in the small town Mm -hmm. or do I want to tell the story of taking this? taking this education opportunity in New York, yeah. you know, maybe it'll fail, but yeah. whatever. It's a story. Yeah. That's a much
1: more fun story yeah. than staying in a small town. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <more laughs> I'm from a small town. Idaho. Yeah, I don't, I get
1: it. Yeah, for sure. And you think about like the, you know, the guys that have big influences now, like the rock, Kevin Hart, you know, these, these types of entertainers, you know, uh, Conor McGregor, like the, these guys came, from those type of small towns, but yeah. they they had a mentality that not a lot of kids or not a lot of people have, especially at when they had nothing. Yeah. They still had that mentality of like, I'm gonna get there. And I think that's what people are, are scared of more so is they may have that feeling inside them, like I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna get my dreams, but they get scared to either tell it to the world or tell it to, you know, maybe their parents or their friends because the judgment that they're going to have. But I realized, especially with like Conor McGregor or, you know, The Rock, these guys had a certain mindset that internally they, they couldn't be shaken because of all, you know, or externally from all the external stuff that was going on, they couldn't be shaken because of their internal dialogue. And so I wish I would have had that when I was younger. And so that's where I want to kind of Structure my story and things around these you know younger kids or even you know adults no matter yeah. who, who you are but making sure that their in, internal dialogue is so, is so strong that the external you know sources can't can't mess with it how much time do you spend thinking
0: about in especially the acting community mm. in Hollywood or yeah. wherever you want to say it how much time do you spend thinking about um, being authentic versus Being who you need to be because you've heard it yeah and I've heard everybody's heard it where it's like these actors they can't be authentic to get the roles that they want or they have to like give up certain aspects of themselves yeah to be who they need to be in order
1: to succeed mm-hmm. do
0: you spend a lot of time thinking about
1: that or? oh yeah for sure I was actually talking to my wife about this like just a couple days ago because I really study these guys that I look up to or, or have like inspiration from and I realized that these guys are completely themselves so like the rocker or Conor McGregor or, you know these types of guys I'm sure in some sort of time in their life they had that shift of like I'm tired of being what everybody else wants me to be, and I think The Rock even t- talked about this in Hollywood in his early days, um, or even uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. They, you know, try to make him do speech classes and yeah. lower his weight, and you know, you're never going to get a role because of how big you are and how weird you sound. You know, I think it's when you shift that like thought process of like Hollywood's not going to own me; I'm going to own Hollywood and granted like there's i'm sure there's roles that you have to kind of shift your mindset for and and want you know have to do something different well part of being an actor yeah. is
0: acting yeah acting. for sure so it's like you have to be a different person yeah. than who you are to yeah. just to
1: play the role yeah so i think like <clears throat> with going into hollywood um i thought about this with like i was talking with my wife like do i become you know, you realize with like Ali, um, and even even Conor McGregor at some points, you you have to kind of become the the villain to get a little more notice. Like even uh, what's his name, uh, the Paul brothers, um, Jake Paul, <clears throat> Jake Paul. He he said in his little interview that he you, realized. Do you need some water? No, I just got a okay thing in my throat. <laughs> it's like phlegm i can go get you a bottle if you want you're good okay got it out but uh so jake paul in his interview he was talking about how he was better becoming the villain because he grew up that way and so a lot of these guys that kind of came up you know pretty quickly they were a villain in some sense you know Muhammad Ali, he was some sort of villain because a lot of people hated the well, it's, way you it's know
0: showmanship too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like he, you're, perform- you're garnering attention.
1: Yeah, it's a performance. It's entertainment. Like you're yeah. you're talking crap on somebody just to get some sort of you know emotion. This whole out of thing
0: them. that's going on with is it Jake Paul and Dylan Danis? Is that uh, Have you, you followed that at all? Yeah, a little bit. So or it's uh, like Logan. Oh,
1: Logan Paul. Yeah, yeah,
0: and he's like Dylan is like. Just
1: bashing on his girlfriend. On his girlfriend. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know her name. Yeah, I don't either.
0: But but it's just like that's that's. I don't want to be in that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't want to be in the mix of that. Right. And so it's it's like there's a there's a certain point. Yeah. At where it's like, okay, maybe you want to garner some attention, but how far are you willing to go?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's where I was kind of talking to my wife. I'm like, I want to be noticed more in acting and really like go to the next level, but do I have to become the villain? Do I have to do those things that they're kind of doing? And I thought to myself, like, and maybe in some sense I could, but I don't wanna like step over that line and like ruin relationships or, you know, do say say and do those things that maybe now, now a director will see and be like, oh, I don't wanna work with Adam. You know, so it's like a fine line of like, where do I place myself enough to get noticed? And then um, she was luckily, you know, told me or kind of mentioned to me about like The Rock and how genuine it feels like he, he is to a lot of people or Sylvester Stallone, you know, these types of guys that were just themselves and wanted to pursue something great. And those are the types of guys I want to be or I feel like I emulate a lot more mm-hmm. It's just being authentically me no matter what, but also showing like, the strongest points of me, which is, I feel, is my heart and, like, really expressing, you know, why my passion lies in acting or why it lies in influencing people is because my heart, when it's exposed, I feel like it just radiates to everybody. And so I'm like, okay, I got to be that. No matter where, you know, Hollywood takes me, I'm going to try to stay within that lane of, you know, sticking to what my heart feels and expressing it because it. Even this weekend I was with a few friends uh for a military scenario for Homestead. It's a new TV series that's going to be coming out. Cool. And these guys are really, you know, some of them have big influences on social media, one's a big actor, and they're all kind of like broader, you know, you know, bodybuilder looking guys and we were all talking at dinner after uh we we did some stuff this weekend and it was crazy to see like you know you think about seeing those types of guys and you want to get like act tough and just you know, sh- you know sh- showcase like what how tough you really are but when i express what really m- means a lot to me it it helped them open up themselves to sharing what they wanted to express and what that what meant you know most of them just giving permission yeah yeah so i felt like i you know in some sense i gave them permission to open up to me and it was it was amazing. It was amazing to see like these grown, you know, 30, 40 year old men just like crying while we're at Texas Roadhouse, you know, this <laughs> is like, all right, like we, we, those are the type of men I want to be around. Those are the type of things that I want to express and see and grow with because then I'm connected to those guys forever. Like they become our brothers after that. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: No, that's great to hear because <clears throat> who you surround yourself by really affects you. Yeah. And affects the direction that you end up going. Yeah. So if you can get people that you trust, yeah, that you love, oh, that yeah. you connect with,
1: and I think that's a really powerful advantage. Yeah. And I feel like you. if you if you know yourself enough, which I feel like I do with myself, is when you I feel like right when I walk into a room or, you know, some sort of scenario, I feel the energies of other people.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I know who to, to talk to, who not to talk to, who to stay clear from in that sense, you know, enough where I'm like, okay, maybe I don't trust this person right away, but I'll give them some grace to see if they can prove it, prove that wrong. So I feel like I have that skill or that, you know, that, advantage over a lot of a lot of people because i know internally how i feel when certain things are around yeah so in that in that sense too i feel like you know that will help me especially in hollywood you know because i've i'll notice right away if there's somebody fake in my in my circle and i i don't want to be around i mean my wife has a has a little bit of a problem with this because she she wants to love everybody she cares for everybody she wants to know their story right away i'll you know, and it's sad, but I I kind of judge these people in in a way like, oh, that person's not good. I don't know why, but that person for some reason is not good, and so I, I take it as that. And my wife's like, oh, you gotta you gotta get to know them and this and that. I'm like, no, I don't. Well, I don't need I mean,
0: to. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the truth of it. Really, you can know as many people as you want. Yeah. But you only keep a few. Yeah.
1: Close for sure.
0: And so, sure, get to know them, whatever. Yeah. But, like, you're not going to be close to them. Yeah. If, if if you have, like, this discernment thing going on, yeah. which I think people definitely have, yeah. you know, to their own degrees mm-hmm. and levels or whatever, and energies, like, you can tell people's energies. Yeah. And sometimes I can tell my own energy. It's yeah. like, my energy is like, I have a low, low energy or yeah. whatever, or I'm high energy, yeah. whatever. And and that, that fluctuates with every person depending on the day. For sure. Um, but... I also, I also think you have to be very particular in who you keep close. Yeah, because you let the wrong people in your life, and they will impact you in yeah. the in in the negative ways. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, sure, love them, let them do their thing. You know, like be their support to support them if they need you. Yeah, but don't keep them close. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's yeah, that's really it.
1: Kind of keep them at at that distance. Like you can be yeah. cool acquaintances, but other yeah. than that it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. And you just learn who to trust. And and
0: and there's probably more people that you want to keep close than you can. Yeah. True. And so even then it's like, okay, well if I'm gonna spend any time around anybody, I wanna make sure it's good people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, and so having not- somebody in your corner too, like my wife, I feel like she's my my voice of reasoning too. Like if I do get off track or if I because, you know, there's been times in my life where I've, I've been around, you know, certain in- individuals that have taken me towards their ideas and thoughts and it, they weren't mine. And I kind of became that sort of, of person. And luckily, I, you know, having my wife, she kind of centered me back to what's what's the real reason you're doing this? Yeah. And I'm like, oh,
0: Who's ra- that
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like crap, I'm off track. Okay. Let's, let's pivot. So luckily, you know, especially with my wife, it's been amazing to see like, she's been that, that guiding force for me. Very for sure. Cool. Yeah. It's really good to have in a spouse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a, I didn't realize you need that like bad in a, in a wife or a spouse. Cause you know, I feel like when I got married the first time I, I got, I got married more so because it was like what people told me to do, especially right after the mission, you know, like Mm -hmm. get married do the thing and have kids, whatever, like all that stuff. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that right now, but then I did it. And then like, I had no, like with her, with my ex-wife, it was just like more of this very basic, like relationship where we didn't have this like deep centered rooting love for each other. Like with my wife, no matter what I want to do or what I say, she has my back or whatever I want to go after. She's like, I, be, I believe you can do it. But she'll also probably call you out on your
0: BS. Too. Oh, yeah.
1: She'll <laughs> definitely call me out. She does that daily and she loves to do it. Um, but it's just like this deep rooted sense of like this chick has my back. Even if I'm going off the rails, she's going to be like, yo, you got to shift. You got to do this. But I, I get where you want to go. But this is probably not the right way or, you know, whatever. So it's, it's cool to... To have that in a wife where, you know, it's just that best friend that you always wanted, you always looked for, but you didn't realize you you needed. And I really needed somebody like her. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I, I think about that all the time where it's like my wife believes in me. Yeah. You know, and I think part of the really important part of any relationship is propping the other one up. Mm Mm-hmm. And so even if they don't believe in themselves yeah. or if they're really down on themselves for whatever reason that day, yeah, it's like your job as a spouse is to prop them up. Yep. Like that's, that's what you do. Yeah. And when they're not going to believe in themselves, you believe in them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And if you, you find something that's just not going to work, well, okay, do something different. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like, okay, maybe <clears throat> say this acting thing doesn't, doesn't pan out the way you want it to, yeah. which. Oftentimes, whether good or bad, things don't go the way that we expect in life ever, you know, and sometimes it'll turn out better and other times it won't. But either way, your wife is going to be there and she's going to help you figure it out and work your way through it. Yeah which is cool. Yeah. And that's something that you can rely on, which I think a lot of people can't Yeah, like they get married for whatever reasons, just like you're saying with your, your ex wife, Yeah, you got married for the wrong reasons Mm
1: -hmm. or whatever that was. It didn't work out. And like, she wouldn't have been there for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with, especially with men, if we're looking at men that are looking to be married or get married, it's, it's this sense of like, you need a woman that's going to be, Like how you said, just like have your back be your, 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 uh, your biggest fan. Um, because yeah, there's going to be moments, a lot of moments where you don't believe in yourself and you're down and out and you you don't want to do it anymore. You want to, you know, blow all this crap down and and start all over. Don't even, you know, start over. You just want to end it. And at moments like she has been so, it's not that like she forces her belief on me. She's, she almost like she talks to me in a way where like, if, if I'm ready to, to hear it, she'll, she'll talk to me. But if I'm not ready to hear it, then she'll wait. And it's cool because like, sometimes it's, you don't want to hear crap. Cause you just like, oh yeah, it's another thing, whatever. Like you just want to throw it away. But I love when she, when she even asks me, like, I know you're down and out right now, but are you in a place where you want to talk about it, or you want me to, he, you know, he, you want to hear some some things from me, or you just want me to listen? Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I just want to want you to listen because I want to just rant. And then moments where I'm like, okay, I want to hear what you want to say. Then it's just like, boom! Like she gets in into my face, she gets you know into my heart. And there's moments, man, where like even just the other day, she like I knew. She she wants to like pierce my heart and like make me cry because she's super good at that. <clears throat> but she'll just do something. I'm like, nope, mm-mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna look away. <laughs> like I'm gonna drink my water. Like try to avoid every single you know part of that. But when she does do that, like it's it's like she's talking to the the little boy in me that needs it. Yeah. And it's cool because it's like and and especially in in this you know, what we're talking about with like influencing people. I want people to really look at their, their inner child and really look at their, you know, their little kids in them and talk to them because I feel like we, we push those kids away so much because we got to be a certain way or you think the world needs to to see a certain side of us. If we let those little kids out more, I feel like we can express, we could have so much more joy. We could have so much more, um, like influence not only in our own personal lives, but with others, because I feel like those little kids are wanting to showcase something that we've put away for a very long time. I've heard this a lot about like
0: the inner child yeah, and the needs and the trauma and whatever that inner child and how it, do you feel like that inner child within you has driven a lot of your choices in your adult life? Absolutely.
1: I think probably for good and bad. Good and bad. Yeah. Like like the the story I was telling you about with my 16-year-old self and 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 not taking that scholarship. I felt like I locked that kid away because I, I didn't feel like I, I should dream anymore. From that point on I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to college, do the thing, you know, get a job, blah blah. blah. I never I didn't want to dream after that. Like I even shut down my dream of being in the NFL, because I loved football. And so I shut that I shut that dream down. So I think that, like, at that time, you literally turn off a switch on, like me, my 16-year-old self, and then you live your life past that, and that kid stays there. But he's, like, screaming for you to talk to you again, because he wants to get out of that situation. He still wants to dream. He still wants to do the things, but you're telling him, no, you're shutting the door on him. And, you know, whether it's a trauma, whether it's just like a situation in your life that happens that you just don't even realize that you're shutting off on, on something, you know, it's, it's cool when it happens. It's kind of, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's cool when it happens when you stop and just pause and really take the time to feel, yeah. you know, cause we, I feel like I don't do that very often. You know, I'm always on the go and always have to do things. But when I actually get, you know, a moment and, you know, whether it's 30 minutes an hour 10 minutes where I'm just like sitting with myself and maybe even just like looking at myself in the mirror, the, the little kids, you know, every, all the versions of me come out and talk. Let's walk through that for you know, a second.
0: Because you grew up small town, sixteen years old, you got a scholarship to the school. You chose not to go. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of locked that down. I'm nineteen years old. You go on a mission. Yeah. My probably biggest memory from the mission of you yeah. is just you carrying around dumbbells <laughs> and, and, and like, just like from beginning to end, I'm yeah. like, wow, wow, you yeah. got a lot bigger. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you did.
1: Yeah. Um, that's
0: awesome. Didn't you have to like buy new pants? Cause you didn't yeah. fit your pants. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, got, you, I was
1: definitely skinny when I first started for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you got, you got a lot bigger on your yeah. mission. Um, at what point after that did you
1: decide to pursue acting Cause you got married again. Was it after you got divorced? Um, no, it's honestly, it was only like four years ago that I wanted to pursue oh, acting you doing before that. So I came home from a mission, um, I became a personal trainer for like eight years. Okay. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You were. And then. Bodybuilder. Were you a yeah, bodybuilder? Competitions. Yeah, bodybuilder. Yeah, I did all kinds of stuff. Did triathlons, marathons, half marathons. Then I went into bodybuilding for a long time. Um, and then when I moved from my hometown to Utah, it was then where I kind of shifted my mentality because I'm like, I... I still had that mentality of like, well, I need to go back to school to get my nursing degree or get, you know, be a physical therapist because that's what I've been told like is a good job or, you know, a good thing to do because it's security and, you know, whatever. So I was looking into that when I was here, but then it just felt wrong. I was like, it's not me. And so I sat myself down. I'm like, okay, what can I do for the rest of my life and not even worried about getting paid for it and still love it and then started thinking about what I did as a kid. And, and you know, I was really big into art. And that's where this whole New York school came from. And, and so I was like, okay, I, you know, right now, probably art's not my, you know, the best thing to do for, for a business or, you know, for a job. What can I do in that realm of art? And I found a filmmaking, a filmmaking school. So I went in there, got in right away. And then four years later, graduated with a film degree. And so within that time, um, so was this what when you were about thirty? This was yeah. So I came here 2013, so 10 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much right around you know 29, 30 to 32. It was just like this big jump of changing my whole perspective in life on so what that's I do.
0: that's just point this out. 13, 14 years. Yeah of being locked away in your mental basement.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was just like this <clears throat> like big, like I got to do what I want to do rather than like what I'm being told should I should do. Cause I, I realized too, especially now, my dad was always an entrepreneur, but he always told me, he's like, get the safe job because I felt like he, he knew what entrepreneurs had to go through. And now that I see it too, I'm like, you know, entrepreneurs are always up and down, you know, and it's always a risk, blah, blah, blah. But I, I wanted to do something for me. And that's when it shifted for, to go into film school. And then during that time when I was in film school, I started my bus- my own business with like media you know, building content for other companies, that type of thing. And now eight years later with that business, you know, it's very successful. I've been able to do a lot of things, travel the world, but now it's like this shift probably within the last year with me. I'm like, okay, I got to not let go of the business, but just find a way to push it away enough where I can go a hundred percent full throttle with acting. Mm. Um, because I feel like my business is kind of holding me as like my plan B. Like if acting doesn't work out, I still got this, which is a good kind of, you know, typical mentality to have just in case, especially cause yeah, I have kids and a family. Yeah. But when I think about these guys that I, you know, inspire to be like, these guys like went all in. Burned the boats. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it's just like, I gotta do it to be where I wanna be. And so I'm in this shift again, where it's like, okay, how do I do it? And, you know, especially this weekend, I was talking to one of one of the friends I met and he, he told me, he's just he's like, you just got to believe that God's going to give you what you need. You know, even though it's going to be a big risk and a big scare and bills might pile up and, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, you know, type of I, <laughs> type of thing. I saw one of your movies. I saw Lucy Shimmers. Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, was, was that what it was yep. called? Lucy Shimmers and the Prince of Peace. In the Prince of Peace. Yeah. yeah. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great right. one. I enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: How many have you done?
1: So I have done, let's see. Uh, there's three on Amazon prime right now. So uh, Lucy Shimmers, Fighting Chance, and then Last Page, which just came out. Um, and then... Let's see, I probably You're doing Homestead right now. So I'm hoping to get on Homestead. Oh, oh so yeah. is is still a kind of audition period. Yeah. So okay. it, I mean it's good because I have met their writers, met the directors, producers. So it's kinda of, kinda of like I have an in. I'm hoping to really sure. I'm finishing up an audition for them right now. Great. So um I you know, I honestly feel like I'm gonna get get it. Um but if I don't then it's you know, it's, it's just another it's one. Yeah. yeah you keep going. Because um Yeah, I've probably done at least eight. There's probably, you know, three or four that are coming out within the next year or so. But, um, you know, I've had auditions for, like, Homestead. I've had auditions for Mission Impossible. I've had auditions for FBI, the TV show. So it's just, like, it's getting closer where I feel like I'm not just getting the the small stuff anymore. I'm I'm getting, like, the the big stuff that would probably drastically change my life
0: this is this is for i don't think i have any real desire to be an actor Mm -hmm. but this is for people who do and i'm I'm curious the answer to this question because i always see i always have this like really um distrust huge distrust of agencies yeah And like people who are like, oh, acting auditions or modeling auditions or whatever. And they like send out these little advertisements on social media or wherever you see them. Yeah. And then you got to like pay like a couple hundred bucks Mm -hmm. or whatever to have them. Be a part of their agency. Yeah. 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 You know, and then you go in and, and I feel like a lot of those things are stamps. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm wondering, how do you tell the difference between the scams Mm -hmm. and the legit,
1: Agencies, Yeah. So right off the bat, if you know, the, like the one you said, if you have to pay to be a part of an agency, What's that, the last one I saw backstage or something. Oh yeah. Like that? Yeah. 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 If you have to pay to be a part of an agency, that's probably a scam. That's probably not going to be good for you. Um, so how it really works is agencies and agencies or managers don't get paid until you actually book an audition. And so they just work basically kind of in, in a sense for free until you book something. So like my, my manager here, she, she just showed me like a list of what she, what she tried to audition me for, for this last month. And it's yeah. literally like 200, you know, things she auditioned me for and so do you just I,
0: do you just have certain clips of you or yeah so i have, have a whole reel i have headshots reels. i okay.
1: have a resume you know little clips here and there so she sends those out yeah so she sends that completely out to all these auditions that are coming through i don't see him she, she does when it all they
0: show any interest then you go back and
1: yeah so then if they you know if they see my reel and they're like oh i like adam let's have him audition for this part and so now she gets the sides from that audition sends them to me hey you gotta do this audition send it back to them and then they'll see if they like so you she's only
0: getting paid when you get an audition yeah, no for when, when I get you, booked oh when you get
1: booked yeah oh, okay so, so she's, she's only get, so she has to believe in you yeah for sure for sure for like big time she's not yeah. just gonna pick up anybody mm, no which is cool because even this manager she has limited spots for her her team she only she only does she only works with 50 uh, actors so it's really cool because a lot of agencies especially here bigger agencies have hundreds and hundreds of of actors so you're just like a number to them so i love managers more more than agencies Mm -hmm. um like i have one here i have one in la i have one in new mexico uh new york so they get i get a plethora of different varieties of things like i even had uh, one of my managers she is trying to book me for a a, a commercial in um, Japan, so it's just like so random. You know what you can yeah. get booked for, or even audition for. But you know, and then yeah, especially the next thing with with uh, agencies and managers, it's like I I don't like the the bigger, at least right now, I don't like the bigger agencies that have just a ton of people in it because i i had one of those mani- or one of those agencies and they did absolutely nothing for me mm-hmm. and you're going to have to have somebody like you said that believes in you enough and sees your uniqueness to to want to push you to find or want to push you want to push you know the directors casting directors to like see me because if they don't believe in you, then it, there's, you're just like, oh, you know, they're, they're going to push a number. Did you get connected
0: with your manager through your other film company or how did uh, you do that? See,
1: how did I get? I got connected with her through actually another actor because okay. she was a part of the, their agency. She loved them. And so I wanted to meet her. Uh, luckily enough she was opening up her her like her 50 actors because she was getting rid of some and I jumped in at the right time to, to get in and uh, and especially like some of the other uh, managers that I have had it's kind of yeah I've been through connections of other actors or or um, directors that I've worked with or whatever because I always try to make sure I like maintain a good obviously, professionalism, but also like make them remember me. Yeah. Um, so then therefore they're talking about me later, you know, to other people. What's the, what's the best way to be remembered? I mean, honestly, just to be yourself, but, and that's, yeah, it's, it's cliche and, and, you know, kind of sounds dumb, but
0: people, people respect people who are
1: genuine. Yeah. And I think it's, if when you try to overdo it and like, you know, perform for the director because, you know, they want to be remembered. They see that and they're like, yo, you're fake, you know, but if you're genuine and you just really talk to these people, like even not even talk to them about the film that you're on, like you talk to them about their life. You talk to them about their, what they're going through that day. You know, it's just like being a authentic human and talking generally about, you know, just the daily life stuff. People are going to remember that. Yeah, Cause I think there's so many people that are overdoing it that they just push those people out. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: That's, that's, uh, I think that's wisdom that yeah. you just have to get
1: from experience yeah. and it's like, you, you can't try to be somebody that you're not. Yeah. It doesn't come across right. Yeah. Well, even like, I, I remember that honestly from a mission too, cause I feel like, you know, they teach you a certain way to to teach other people, you know, about the gospel. Yeah,
0: you do little role plays. Yeah. You do
1: the role plays and you're supposed to say certain things yeah. at certain times and this and that. But I realized like from how I felt like I was successful on my mission was being completely genuine and showing my heart to people. That's how I express. And that's how I got people, you know, across the the board to get baptized. So it was just like, okay, I just got to be myself because that was, that was me. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second.
0: Um, a mission for anybody who's not a member of the LDS church mm-hmm. is missionary service where you go out and tell people about the church and the gospel and your beliefs. Uh, so you did that. You grew up with, a, I would assume a very religious family, yep. your dad, mm-hmm. um, everything you went on a mission. How's your faith journey been? Are you a member of the church
1: now? Or are you,
0: where where did that go from your mission to now
1: yeah so technically I still am uh LDS but I don't I don't practice it anymore uh, I haven't practiced it for a really long time only because well there are certain circumstances in my life that kind of like pivoted a lot especially with like my ex-wife or not my ex-wife but the divorce from that a lot of stuff happened during that time but it was more of just like this realization that if I'm a good person and I'm doing good to other people, God shouldn't be pissed off at me because I'm not a part of a church. And then I realized I'm like, there's there's more to things than just going to a building to worship him. I, I feel like I'm a very spiritual person now, uh, not religious um, because in some sense I feel like churches tell you how to do certain things or tell you how to pray to you know God or you know those, those types of things where it feels sort of wrong for me where I, I talk to God however I want to talk to him. I talk to my angels how I want to talk to my angels because it's just like it's personal to me and the way, in which I've lived my life since my mission. Like, I granted, I absolutely loved my mission, what I learned there. And I've taken a lot of things from my mission, you know, uh, to learn from that. But um, I think that it's just, I wanted to live a certain way and I couldn't do that as an LDS person. And I felt like that was, you know, I felt like it was bad because everybody was telling me it was bad. I got to repent. I got to do these things. Um, so I always felt horrible about myself when I was in the LDS church. And and so when I got, when I stepped away from that and I, and I realized like it wasn't them or it wasn't the gospel. It was more so the people, you know, individuals that are imperfect that are telling me to do certain things. And so I still loved that part of me, but I realized I'm like, I got to be me and the spiritual side of me is I feel like I've been so much closer to my heavenly father, to Christ, to my angels, to the things that are, you know, speaking to me. Um I feel like that has been so much stronger than I ever learned from the church. And so how do you how do you communicate with God now? Like what is your
0: what is your relationship with him?
1: Uh, I feel like, honestly, my relationship, like I talk to him, you know, the same, same kind of prayer, but it's, it's more of like, he's sitting right next to me and I'm having a genuine conversation with them. And I, I realize I'm not just talking to God. I'm talking to my heavenly father, my heavenly mother, and my angels that have been got, you know, directed to guide and protect me. And so I talked to all three of those, you know, people or, you know, however many angels I have, but I feel like I'm having a genuine conversation and I not that I tell them what I need, but I'm like, yo, I'm in this place where I need this. And however you need to guide me to get that, you know, direct me to it. And so it's just like, it's a very, direct and genuine conversation with them rather than just kinda of like saying the generic yeah. thank you for this, thank you for that, you know.
0: Well, you know, I I think rote prayers in the LDS faith versus rote prayers in the yeah. Catholicism. For or sure. Whatever else, it's a rote prayer. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Like I don't I don't think that's a good thing. No. I, I think when you pray you should you
1: should really like, like you and I are having a conversation. Yeah. You should have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree with yeah. that. And I have, know? I have conversations, you know, when I go up in the mountains, I feel like, you know, he's talking to me or the wind is talking to me. And I, I, you know, catch something from that, or, you know, my kids are saying something to me and I catch something from that. So I feel like they're in everything, you know, and I, I, I think I grew up, where church was the only way or you know, even the temple was like the only way to communicate to, to God, you know, where it's like a really strong communication, but I realized like I can find that every, every everywhere and in everyone. Mm. So it's been not a crazy shift, but enough shift where I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Like if, if I die tomorrow, I know I'm good. Well, you know, it, I, yeah. I think it's interesting
0: um, to hear you talk about that, yeah. because I've come to the conclusion that everybody is on their own individual journey
1: mm-hmm.
0: of faith. Mm. Because you have to, and you have to be. Yeah, I, I think religion is good in the way that it is a structure yeah. for people,
1: foundation. Yeah.
0: And I think the foundation is very good, and mm-hmm. I think it's very needed because it sets up a basis for that religious yeah. journey that now you are on, we are all on. Yeah. Um, just one degree or another, if you're not going to worship and I, I strongly subscribe to this. I think I heard it from Jordan Peterson first and a number of people, but if you, if you don't worship God, you're going to worship something else. Yeah. You know, Russell brand talks about it. The mundane, you're going to worship materialism. You're going to worship fame or fortune or whatever, you know? And so you have to have something that's greater than you. Yeah. Something that is above you, some ideal. Yeah. And I think that that is God for a lot of people. And if it's not God, it's something
1: I believe more dangerous or more. I even honestly think too, in in that same sense, because I I totally believe that we need to have something, you know, in in a sense above us to talk to and, and guide us. But I honestly think as well that we need to believe that we are that as well that we are, there's a higher self of us. There is something greater in us that we don't even know yet. Yeah. That God, Christ, our angels are trying to tell us that, yo, you're this person. Like, I need you to be this higher self. You know, you're you're getting there. You're doing it. You know, you're pursuing it. You're almost there. You know, it's like that that type of thing. I feel like not a lot of people think that that they have a higher self. They think that just like, Oh God's just above us. And we're never going to achieve that. I feel like we can, I feel like we, we should believe that there is a higher self in us that could be exactly like, you know, God. And that can be here. Not just when we pass. How do you feel about life after death at this point? Um, I don't, I don't feel like there's like the degrees anymore. I feel like there's still what what is it? What happens? I feel like it, I feel like it's just like the same same dwelling, you know place like where there, where there's a heaven. Um, but possibly, you know, I might have some weird thoughts to you about that we lived, you know different lives before you even came here. Sometimes I think maybe we live another life after we move on from here. But I ho- I really hope not because <laughs> I don't want to live more <laughs> lives. I just want to be done. But I feel like there, there, there's this one
0: uh, I heard that it's you live the same life over and over so, again until
1: you get it right. Oh, that would suck. <laughs> that would suck. I would hate it. But yeah, I feel like, you know, in some sense, maybe in the same realm as it has as how I grew up. But there's a sort of heaven where we all go we're with our families um, but in you know in some sense I, I feel like we're just here all living you know the spirits are here The all our ancestors are around us watching over us and that could be possibly our angels you know that really are are dwelling within this this world that we we mm-hmm. live in so but I, I do believe that there is some sort of heaven I don't know how exactly I, where I feel it is yeah Jesus Christ do you are, would you consider yourself a christian yeah absolutely yeah absolutely like i i definitely haven't strayed crazy far from what i grew up as um
0: well you know it's a it's an evolution yeah and, and like i said you have a foundation yeah uh, In within the lds church and it sounds like you believe a lot of a lot of the same principles that yeah. you grew up with mm-hmm. you know it's just in practice yeah how do you want to live those? Yeah. And I think, I think maybe that's, that's where you're differing
1: yeah. uh, from the faith at this point, at least from what I'm hearing. Yeah, for sure. And it, and it does suck too. Cause sometimes like when you leave the church, it becomes like this stigma, like, you're a bad person now, you know, from a church standpoint, you know, you're, you're inactive. You're, you need to come back to the fold and like all this stuff. And I, I wish people just didn't do that because in some sense, like these people, like the people that quote unquote leave the church, aren't really leaving, you know, to do bad things. It's just, they, they're like you said, they're, they're on their own journey. They're mm-hmm. on their own spiritual journey. And these people still love, I think it know.
0: needs to change. Yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm still an active member of the church. I love it, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And I 100% agree. I don't think it's a good thing for anybody to judge others based on their own spiritual journeys and decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think it helps anybody. No, Mm -mm. you know, and I think if we were to be really honest with ourselves, everybody has their own doubts and insecurities and, and, everybody has their own grievances for yeah. what institutions like a church yeah. would bring. Yeah. You know, and people are going to judge the church based on the people it, yeah. it, it will happen yeah. inevitably with any institution. Yeah, for sure. But it's like, he, again, it goes back to the principles mm-hmm. and it's like, what are you living for? Yeah. What's a, What's higher than you? Yeah. You know, okay, that's God. Okay. What principles do I believe God is teaching me
1: in my life? Yeah live according to those principles, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of people get like go both sides, like in the church, they kind of go, you know, super, super right. But then if they leave the church, they go super left. And it's just like, you're still not doing good to yourself. If you're going super left, you know, if you leave the church and now you freaking hate the church and all the things that being taught or whatever, I'm like, I I just want to kind of be right in the middle where it's just like, I'm cool either way. Like I'm not pissed off at the church for, you know, what happened to me, but I'm not pissed off at the people that are going, you know, far left, but it's just like, I, I want to live a certain way. And I, I feel like God still is there completely in my life. And I feel like Christ, you know, died for me and and he showed us the path and those types of things are, you know, the foundation of the church. And I feel, you know, there's cer- there's certain things that I may believe that, other church members may not because it's kind of outlandish or crazy or out there, you know, but I feel like it's, it, to me, it's a very strong idea and thought and it's in my heart that I'm like, yeah, this, this feels right to me. And I want to believe that way because that's where I'm guided Mm. and I want to, I want to follow because, you know, I don't think he's striking me, you know, he's not striking me down. Well, you know, I, I think based on what you're saying now, based on what you were yeah.
0: saying before, you are doing your best to follow what you believe Christ would want you yeah, to do. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. because listen, it's love. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like no matter what you do. Are you doing it for the reason of wanting to prop up another, Mm -hmm. to love them, Mm -hmm. to allow them to live the greatest existence that they can? Because our life is fairly short here. Hopefully there's something after this because otherwise that's what, 78 years on average of existence. Yeah. And that's not a long time. Yeah. uh -uh. You know, we're already, you know, halfway point. Yeah. And so (laughs) you think about that, (laughs) but it's like, it's like, I don't think we have time for anything but love. Like Uh, the more people try to live selfishly and try to live just according to what they want for themselves, I think the worse off they are in mm -hmm. the long run. And I think it catches up to them. This is just my own belief. And I think that's what Christ in everything that he tried to teach yeah. when he was here on earth was that was you look after the other person. Yeah. Like you try to prop them up. Yeah. Like you try to serve them. Yeah. And it's like, you, you'll, you'll get taken care of. Don't yeah. worry about it.
1: Yeah. I do have a little bit of a, a an opinion about that one though, too, is cause I, I did that and I feel like, you know, always focusing on the other people and helping them you'll be taken care of. I feel like if I'm, if I'm trying to give from an empty cup or a low cup, I'm not serving myself.
0: Well, it depends on how you look at it too, because you work out probably every day. Yeah. I would assume Mm -hmm. Um, that I, I believe you can still do things like that or like money or Mm -hmm. what somebody would say, Oh, he's just doing that for himself. Yeah. But no, that's not true. Because if I go and work out every day, I may be working out every day so that I can be around for my daughter. Yeah. You know, so I can be healthy enough to play with my grandkids. For sure. In 20 years. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, and so then it's like. Fill your cup, yeah. but do it for the purpose of just like you're saying, I want to become rich and famous so that I can have influence to help people live a better life. Yeah, absolutely. You know?
1: Yeah. It's the purpose behind it. Yeah. Because I feel like if some people are, you know, drowning, and because yeah. um, I've seen this a lot where, you know, financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, people are drowning in, in this hell that they're in, but they have that mentality like, oh, I just need to you know help other people and I'll, I'll be taken care of I think there's some sense where it's like you have to take care of your stuff first mm-hmm. and then you know once your your cup is filled or you know get to where you need or want yeah. to be then it's like okay you know, turn around and, and reach for those other people that, that yeah. need it too.
0: If you're injured with a back injury, yeah. you're not going to be able to help a lady across the street. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, get yourself <laughs> healthy, go to yeah. physical therapy, eat well, exercise. Yeah. Then you can go and surf. Yeah. You know, but like do it with the purpose of like being healthy so that you can be
1: useful. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I don't think there's anything wrong with money. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. It's like, sure, go out, make your riches. But mm-hmm. like- do it
1: not just so you can buy a yacht. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I don't think it's going to help anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where I feel too, is like, I'm not going to be when I get to that point of, of, you know, famous and influential. Um, I'm I don't feel like I'm going to be that person. Like, yeah, I want to buy my ranch and and have a house on it and a lot of land. But other than that, it's just like, I want to get back. I want to be able to one influence other people and I can obviously influence people now, but on a higher, you know, platform, I can, I can share a lot more to a lot, a lot more people. So, well, listen,
0: I hope you're able to do everything that you are, are looking at doing because yeah. to me, I don't, again, we've known each other for years yeah. or at least about each other, yeah. or, you know, follow each other on social media or whatever but to me, you seem like a very genuine authentic person who wants the best in life for yourself, your family, for those around you. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming out here and kind of sharing some more about you and your story and everything. And hopefully we can stay in touch more um, than in, in previous, but either way, it's like, this is cool. Yeah. This has been fun. It is cool. Um, Two questions. I think you've already answered one. I like to ask people these because I, yeah. I think they kind of point to what is important in life. Why are you alive? Mm-hmm. And that's the one I think you answered. Mm-hmm. What are you here for? And then what would you die for?
1: Mm-hmm. Oof, that's, that's heavy. You haven't died. Yeah, I haven't died. You almost died. I almost died. But what times. would you willingly die for? I would die for right now. Um, I'd say my family, but more specifically, uh, my daughter. Um, She has been, you know, she's only been on this earth for seven months, but I felt like she's been here, you know, talking to me and my wife for the last four years. So it's this spiritual connection that I have with this daughter of mine that's just like, you know, amazes me every time I see her. And how she has changed my, my perspective on life, how she's changed my heart, uh, you know, in life. And I would do anything for that, that little girl. And yeah, it's just, I, I didn't realize becoming a father would be so, you know, amazing in that sense. Because I think more so probably because I've waited a long time because I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to have kids. And so now that it's, you know, here, I'm like, holy crap. Like, I finally get to, you know, live my the life I've always wanted. You know, I feel like maybe before I did, I kind of lived a life, mm. but not really what I really wanted. It might have been cool to other people how I lived my life, but this is where I want to be. That's kind of what, I mean think of everything that you're doing
0: and then think of the answer to that question mm-hmm. of like, who would I die for? Oh, my daughter, my seven month old. Yeah. Like everything that you're doing is for her. Yeah. Oh yeah. For right. Sure. It kind of goes back to what yeah. we were just talking about, yeah. which is like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like even if you died, if you could save her or help her mm-hmm. in any way. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of number one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You
0: can't, you can't teach that. You have to experience
1: it. Yeah. No. Yeah. You can't until your dad, until your mother, like I'm sure you just, yeah, you can't experience it until you actually are there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, and yeah, it's been a blessing in, into my life to have her. And I, I feel like, you know, it drives me in a different way to do what I do. Um, I feel like some people say like, Oh, you know, they're, they're so so much more motivated because now they have a kid. I feel like, yes, I'm more motivated, but I think I'm more, I want to be more tactical with my direction because I don't want to, like, maybe in some sense screw it up or, like, take the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I want to feel into this thing that I want to do, especially, like, right now where I'm trying to pivot. I want to feel into it and see if this is right. And if it speaks to me, then I'm going to go, you know. So I feel like I'm a lot more tactical because of her. Because I'm like, okay, I want this thing, you know, at the end zone or whatever. I got to figure out how I'm going to get there, but tactically get there without, you know, much damage. <laughs> you know? So it's it's been interesting for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Like, it's really beautiful to hear you talk about Her yeah, life and everything yeah, it's great. Um, if people want to follow your career and where what's your Instagram again? So my uh, Instagram
1: is uh, Adam underscore underscore Hightower. Two underscores. Yeah, two underscores. Okay, Adam underscore underscore. Somebody somebody took that one underscore. So let me
0: uh, (laughs) keep us posted if you end up getting that. Yeah, for sure.
1: I'll definitely. I should know. was
0: Was that the little clip that you sent out? There's like a preview of you in a truck.
1: Um, in a cowboy a tra- hat. Oh, no, what was that that? W- that was for um that was just for a commercial. Oh, that was a commercial, yeah. That I did, oh, okay, yeah.
0: When you but, said Homestead, I immediately thought of
1: that, yeah. And uh, I guess that was this one. It's cool, it's like a post apocalyptic film or TV series, but uh. This guy, Jason Ross, he's like kind of like this exotic billionaire that has a compound that's ready for a you know post-apocalyptic. And he then brings in uh, special op- operators uh, to guard this compound. And I'm one of the guards, mm-hmm. one of the main guards to, to this compound. So all hell breaks loose, you know, all, you know, faith is tested and we have to control this compound and, and make sure we're all safe. Sounds
0: like something I'd watch anyway. Right.
1: <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, so right. I'm excited to, to hopefully be a part of it. And if not, then on to the next, but uh, this is a great story, especially for Utah. I feel like there's been a lot of like Yellowstone cowboy, you know, yeah. th- you know, films and, and TV series, but this one's more, you know, military hero type stuff so i'm excited to be hopefully be part of something like that That that's cool yeah
0: all right man we'll we'll end it there
1: okay appreciate you yeah